0: Hi, it's is Pastor Bill Woods, and I just wanted to get this podcast out. I appreciate the fact that those of you who listen, and some of you respond, and I praise God for you. Pray often that God will use this to be a blessing to you. I know it often is to me. I wanted to talk today about where is your well of spiritual vitality. I read in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, This is out of the New King James Version. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God." You know, often in Bible times and even in the late, as late as the medieval times, castles and cities would be built surrounded by big walls uh, but uh, trying to hold their enemies out and, and control who comes in and out. But often their wells would be outside the walls. This wasn't a good arrangement because their enemies could tamper with the uh, wells and even poison them if they wanted to some christians today have their spiritual well outside the wall where satan and others can poison it you need to move your spiritual resources inside where they'll not be spoilt by outside influence by that i mean you need to have a close relationship with jesus christ and not let things of the world get to you but keep your eyes on the lord a hen and a hog passed a church and saw the sermon title said how can we help the poor the hen said well we can give them a ham and egg breakfast the hog said you can say that because for you that's just a contribution but for me it's total commitment in john 17 jesus is praying for his followers and praise uh john 17 verse 19 says sanctify them in thy truth thy word is truth And as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. In sanctification, God doesn't ask for a contribution. He asks for a commitment. People sometimes... stumble over that word sanctification like it's something terrible it means cleansed and filled with the holy spirit and set apart for god's holy use and i i know that the baptists preach the same experience only they don't call it sanctification they call it being consecrated to god i was reading through one of the sermons the other day while i was at the baptist church waiting to do some counseling and I noticed in the outline that the author said that very same thing. People need to concentrate themselves to God. God wants us to be cleansed vessels for his use. He won't use a dirty vessel. That means that, you know, if you've got pet sins and stuff, you need to confess them to God because until you are clear with him, he's not going to be able to use you like he wants to. When I was a preteen, our junior choir director said she was thirsty and wanted a glass of water. Well, little Billy decided that he would be the one to go get her to the water, and so to save time, I brought a glass of water from the church furnace room rather than to go all the way to the fellowship hall in the kitchen in another building. When I brought it to her, she would not drink it because the glass was smudged and looked dirty had some ashes on it from the furnace room i'm reminded that god doesn't want dirty contaminated vessels to use in his kingdom either he wants clean vessels fit for his use the apostle paul dealt with this experience in romans 12 1 and 2 i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to god which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The commitment that God is asking for is both an act and an attitude. It begins as a crisis and continues as a process of growth and maturing. After I have repented and asked God to forgive my sins, I still find that I struggle with fleshly desires. God wants me to surrender myself completely to Him by letting go of my rebellious spirit that demands my way and quarrels with doing things God's way we call that the carnal nature and we're born with that rebellion in our hearts we need to ask god to help us to get rid of that and and to give him our full life our full dedication paul said in romans seven fifteen, uh, the second part for i do not do what i want but i do the very thing i hate in romans chapter 7 verse 19 he says for i do not do the good i want but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Verse 24 says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Check Romans chapter 7 and, verse, and chapter 8 to learn how Paul struggled with these issues before he found that the answer came by dying out to self and selfish ambition and coming alive to Jesus Christ by making a total commitment to doing God's will. By asking the Holy Spirit to cleanse and fill him, he was able to get victory. Please read that portion of scripture for Paul's complete explanation of this struggle and how to resolve it. General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, was asked the secret of his spiritual power. He replied, God has all there is of me. He had put everything on the altar before God, no strings attached, not taking it off and putting it back on during his different mood swings. This involves more than casual giving, it's total commitment. It's an act of consecration out of which comes a lifelong attitude of surrender to God. That's where victory lies in our walk with Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of the little chorus, God's ways are best ways. I've found it so. Wherever he leads me, there I will go. I never question when comes a test, for I know always God's ways are best. When told that he was going blind, William Booth said, I've done what I could for God with my eyes. Now I'll do what I can without any eyes. First century believers turned to Christ with a full understanding that they were espousing an unpopular cause that could cost them everything even their life. Shortly after Pentecost some were jailed, many lost all their earthly goods, not just a few were killed, hundreds were scattered abroad to get away from the persecution. I heard about a story about a teenage girl who was standing in a line with martyrs waiting to be killed and a roman senator came up and he said you know it's such a waste what are you 16 years old and she said yes he said well you got your whole life ahead of you yeah he says can't you hear those lions he said christians being thrown to the lions can't you hear the lions you can save yourself by just putting three drops of oil in the receptacle and pledged to follow Caesar. She said, well, can't you hear the angels? I'm told that he was so touched he fell in line with her and gave his life to Jesus Christ. You know, those early Christians could have escaped all the persecution by simply denying their faith and turning back to the world. But this they steadfastly refused to do. Many died martyrs' deaths, but they entered into heaven victoriously and found whatever they had to face to get there was more than worth it in order to be able to be in heaven and be with Christ. To win converts, pastors are often tempted to play down the difficulties of being a Christian and play up the peace of mind and the worldly success enjoyed by those who accept Christ. You know, we'll never be completely honest with our hearers until we tell them the blunt truth that as members of a race of moral rebels, they're in a serious jam, one that they'll not get out of easily. If they refuse to repent and accept Christ as their Savior, they'll perish and they'll end up in hell. If they do turn to Jesus, the same enemies that crucified Christ will try to crucify them. George Mueller said, There was a day when I died, utterly died to George Mueller. And as he spoke, he bent lower and lower till he almost touched the floor. He said, I died to his opinions and preferences and tastes and will, died to the world, its approval or or blame of even my brothers and friends. Since then, I've studied to show myself approved only unto God." This wasn't a mere contribution, it was total commitment. The death to self one experiences in the crises of entire sanctification is to find extension in the lived-out death of a consecrated life. It's to die to self and selfish ambition in order to live for God and make His will your will. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, Paul says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This kind of consecration is a kind of martyrdom on the installment plan, a daily living out of that consecration. This is what Paul pleaded for the Romans uh, in, in Romans 12, 1. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. All through history, God has had his martyrs, people who died for the cause of Jesus Christ. But his greatest need is for living martyrs people whose lives are given in daily service for the cause of Christ. Francis R. Havergal wrote, Take my will and make it thine, it shall no longer be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my God, I pour, as at thy feet thy treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. That's the key to holy life, total surrender. Most people can't go for it that far. A wealthy man and his son loved to collect rare works of art. They had everything in their collection, from Picasso to Raphael. They would often sit together and admire the great works of art. When the Vietnam conflict broke out, the son went to war. He was very courageous, and he died in battle while rescuing another soldier. The father was notified and grieved deeply for his only son. About a month later, just before Christmas, there was a knock at the door. A young man stood at the door with a large package in his hands. He said, Sir, you don't know me. But I'm the soldier your son gave his life to save. He saved many lives that day, and he was carrying me to safety when a bullet struck him in the heart and he died instantly. He often talked about you and, and your love for art. The young man held out his package. I know this isn't much. I'm not really a great artist, but I think your son would have wanted you to have this. The father opened the package It was a portrait of his son painted by this young soldier. He stared in awe at how the soldier had captured the personality of his son in the painting. The father was so drawn to the eyes that his own eyes welled up with tears. He thanked the young man and offered to pay him for the picture. Oh, no, sir. I could never repay what your son did for me. It's a gift." the father hung the portrait over his mantle and every time visitors came he took them to see this portrait of his son before he'd show them any of the other great works that he had collected the man died a few months later there was to be a great auction of his paintings many influential people gathered excited to see the great paintings and have an opportunity to purchase one for their collection the painting of the sunset on the platform. Uh, the auctioneer pounded his gavel. We'll start the bidding with this picture of the man's son. Who, who will bid for this picture? There was silence. Then a voice in the back of the room shouted, We want to see the famous painting. Skip this one. But the auctioneer persisted. Will someone bid for this painting. Who will start the building, bidding? A hundred? Two hundred dollars? Another voice shouted angrily, We didn't come to see this painting. We came to see the Van Goghs and Rembrandts. Get on with the real bids. Still the auctioneer continued, The son, the man's son, who will take the son? Finally a voice came from the very back of the room. It was the longtime gardener of the man and his son. He said, I'll give $10 for the painting. Well, being a poor man, it was all they could afford. We have $10, the auctioneer said. Who will bid 20 Give it to him for $10. Let's get on with the masters. $10 is a bid. Won't someone bid 20 The crowd was getting angry. They didn't want the picture of the sun. They wanted the more worthy investments for their collections. The auctioneer pounded the gavel, going once, going twice, sold for ten dollars. A man sitting on the second row shouted, now let's get on with the collection. The auctioneer laid down his gavel. I'm sorry, the auction's over. Well, what about the paintings? I'm sorry, when I was called to conduct this auction, I was told of a secret stipulation in the will. I wasn't allowed to reveal the stipulation until now. Only the painting of the sun would be auctioned. Whoever bought that painting would inherit the entire estate, including the paintings. The man who took the sun gets everything what a picture this is of our relationship to jesus christ what a picture of sanctification total surrender to god when we give up everything for god we inherit everything we become joint heirs with jesus christ in the kingdom of god what a tremendous thing i can give up everything i can't hang on to and i can gain everything that i can never lose those who hang on to the world will lose everything as long as i'm walking with jesus christ being obedient to jesus christ doing his will i will have eternal life i need to make sure though that my eyes are on the the cross and upon christ because as a free moral agent i still can make choice but i want to choose to walk with jesus christ and inherit the kingdom of god Luke 9.24, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Those who accept the Son will gain eternal life. Mark 8.36, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Where is your well of spiritual vitality? Is it outside where it can be tampered with by others or is it inside where it is accessible only to God and you? My prayer is that you will have God come into your life, that you'll make the commitment. It won't just be a contribution, but it will be a total dedication, a a total, uh, you know, giving everything to God. I just, that's my prayer, that it will be a total commitment. Father, I just pray for each one that's listened to this sermon. Lord, you'll use it in a mighty way. Sometimes we're so casual with you. We forget, Lord, that you gave everything for us. And you don't expect us to to just kind of nod to you and say, well, it's nice that you died for us. Lord, we don't want to make contributions. We want to make commitments help us today that we would commit our lives totally to you help us to pray the prayer not my will but thine be done be with that one lord that's struggling and help him to realize there's nothing to hang on to in this world that would be worth losing heaven over father i do ask for your help in every situation of every person that's out here listening to this today that each one of us might be drawn close to you and learn to love you more. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, I would invite you, if you want to get in contact with me, I would invite you to, you know, use the mail. Write to me as Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. You can also call me at 623-845-2741. If you wanted to text me at that number, I would get the text. If you wanted to do an email at slowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. If you'd like to hear me in person and you happen to be around the Holbrook area, I am now preaching each Sunday, each Sunday morning and Sunday night. I have a Bible study at Holbrook First Baptist Church. And I would invite you to come. Sunday School's at 9.45. Morning worship's 11 o'clock. It's a very friendly group. And we would welcome you to come and be a part of the kingdom of God here. God bless you. I'll talk to you later. I am praying that you will be able to find the key to success in your Christian walk, which is total commitment to Jesus Christ.